Amen, saints of God. Let us turn our attention to the gospel according to John, chapter 12. The gospel according to John, chapter 12. The Gospel according to John, chapter 12, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always. But me, you do not have always. This afternoon, I just want to take a few moments to speak with you from the thought, how much is Jesus worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to you? Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. The book of, or the gospel according to John, is an interesting uh, account of Jesus' life. Amen. Um, it is the fourth of four gospels. Amen. We have talked about Matthew in, in, a, in extensive levels, and we talked about how Matthew, Mark, and John were what's called, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and J Matthew, Mark, and Luke were the synoptic gospels. They, they tend to be in parallel where each one of the disciples would see Jesus from a different perspective. But John sets alone, amen. Even though there are some stories that are paralleled in other texts, John endeavors to show Jesus Christ as God. Matthew showed him as king, 
John shows him as God. John was writing that these things that are written that you may believe in the Son of God, amen, and have everlasting life. Because only God can give everlasting life, amen, because he's the only one that's everlasting. So we find ourselves in the 12th chapter of John asking the question, how much is Jesus worth? to you. We, we look at our text and we find that it's six days before the Passover that Jesus came to Bethany. It's the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They are, they are very good friends of the master. But it is interesting that John points out that the house that he goes to is the house where Lazarus lives. Mm -hmm. But not only that, that he points out also that Lazarus was dead. Mm -hmm. But Jesus has raised him from the dead. Poignantly, John points out that Jesus is God because no one can raise anyone from the dead unless he's God. God has the complete control over life and death from this life and the life hereafter. Amen. And this text shows us that Jesus has power even over death. Amen. And as we look at the text, we find that there was a great supper. Amen. There was a supper made that there were those who were reclining at the table. Martha was serving and Lazarus was sitting there alongside Jesus. But this story is interesting because what happens next? Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. The Bible shows us in other Gospels, like in Luke and Matthew, some of the history of Mary. In those texts, in Luke chapter 7 and and in chapter 26 of Matthew, we find that Mary had gone through some things. Mary had been forgiven of her sins. Mary had been caught up in immoral acts, amen, but she found forgiveness in Jesus. And the thing that's so important about Mary here is she understood the worth of being saved. She understood the worth of being forgiven by the master. So often people today take for granted the forgiveness of God. They use God's grace as a license to sin. They look at God as a cover-up so that they can do whatever they want to do and then at the last day, they can say, Lord, forgive me and let me enter the kingdom of heaven. But Mary wasn't like this. Mary understood that she was in a desperate situation that she couldn't get herself out of. She wasn't looking for someone to cover her sins so that she could keep going, amen, but she wanted to be delivered. Oh, how 
We wish more and more of those who name the name Jesus really want to be delivered. In everyone's life, there is a closet situation. In everyone's life, there's some things that that we kind of hold to the side for ourselves. We want to be delivered in the areas where we're most comfortable, but those areas that we want to hold on to, we just put them aside. But Mary, in the place where she was, she found herself desperate for the Lord. And so we see that she puts the Lord at a high standard of worth in her life. This costly spikenard that she had undoubtedly might have been the spikenard that she was able to buy out of this illicit activity that she had going on in her life. But now she is not on that road anymore. Now Jesus has forgiven her of her sins and healed her heart and she's on the straight road. Now she's on the narrow way. And now her eyes are open and her ears can hear. She can hear the truth of the gospel and she can see the salvation of the Lord. And the day that I cry out from the pulpit and hoping and praying that we all see and we all can hear. That we're not just sitting here week after week hearing but yet not receiving. That we're seeing but we cannot perceive. Amen. That we have our eyes opened by the Lord and our hearing so we can hear. Many times Jesus says that let those who have ears to hear, hear what thus saith the Lord. My prayer is that God, by his grace, would open our ears so that we can hear his word. But not just be hearers, but doers also of his word. Amen. Amen. God is looking for some folks that will sell out for him. He says, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. God is looking for some folks who sees how valuable it is to be in a relationship with Jesus. I heard a song that said, Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with him. It keeps getting deeper and deeper. Oh, the joy I feel within. Is that the story of our lives? Is our relationship with Jesus Christ getting deeper and deeper? Or are we still living just like we lived in the day that we said that, Lord, forgive me of my sins and enter into my heart? Are we still doing the same things that we were doing then? Or are we desperately looking to get closer to Jesus? Are we just using Jesus Christ as a comfort? Are we using him as a crutch? Amen. Or do we really desire to know him in the pardoning of our sins. Do we really desire and do we really pant it after him like a deer after water? Amen. Do we really desire to know him in his sufferings? Or are we just going along for the ride? Or we are like those many disciples who followed Jesus Christ on the road until he began to tell him about the things that he must suffer. And then one by one, they went their own way, one to their fields and one to their families. They had all kinds of excuses now to move on. And Jesus Christ is saying to us, as he did to his disciples in that day, he turned and he looked at them and he said, 
Are you going to leave as well? Do you want to turn back? Or will we be able to answer just like the disciples said when they said, where will we go? We have left everything now to follow you. How many of us have left everything to follow Jesus? Or are we just leaving enough to have the comfort zone, but if it gets too hot and too heavy, we're going to find the first exit stage left. This life that we're living in today is a difficult life and it's going to get tougher. It's going to sift out those who are not part of the wheat. The wheat from the chaff, amen. And it is my prayer and hope that none of us are caught up in the wind when it blows. That are not washed away when the rains come. Amen. That we have built our house on a solid rock. And that rock being Jesus Christ. When we look at our text, we see that Mary saw the worth of Jesus. This costly spikenard, amen, that she anointed the feet of Jesus with and wiped with her hair, we find later in the text that Judas describes it, amen, that is worth 300 denarii. Yeah. Denarii is the plural form of the word denarius, and a denarius in that time was a day's wage. So we're looking at 300 days wages was the cost of this spikenard that she put on Jesus. Roughly almost a year worth of labor, a year worth of earnings did she pour out on Jesus. I'm just wondering, amen, if we had a year's worth of wages stored up and Jesus says, I want it all, would we say yes or would we say no? Would we say, Lord, you know, I got bills to pay and I got a retirement to come. I can't give you all this money like this. Jesus, I, I know who you are, but I got to have this to myself. Would we put money above our master? Would we value the money more than the master? This lesson today is going to be in a series of lessons on living a blessed life through generous living. Because God is looking for folks who are going to be cheerful givers. Amen. Because Jesus was cheerful when he gave himself to us. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. Jesus was so joyous in the fact that through the work that he would do for us that we would have a right to be called the righteousness of God in him that we would have a way out of no way of despair and damnation unto no condemnation joy that, and peace that surpasses all understanding that he saw through the anguish because his joy was so great. Do we have that kind of joy when God calls us to give? To give above and beyond what we are comfortable in giving. God is saying to us that he wants to have a people who exhibit this kind of giving. But the good news is that God has it all in his hands. 
The good news is the silver and the gold is the Lord's. The good news is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell in it, Deacon Johnson, the good news is that the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills thereof are the Lord's. So God, in your generous giving, you find that God can replenish that which you give and even the more. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, and running over. God is looking for some folks that can be generous in their living and their giving. Amen. Because that exemplifies who God is. Because God gave his only begotten son that the whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus went back to the Father and prayed the Father to send the Holy Spirit to everyone who would believe on him to be sealed until the day of redemption. It's all about giving. And there's no greater gift than the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can't be God-given no matter how you try. So now in the context of a life that was on its way to hell, in a handbasket who was desperately in need of salvation but could not provide that salvation for herself, Mary realizes that all of the spike nard, all of her savings is not more important than the Messiah. All of what she has saved up pales in comparison to the gift that the Messiah has already given her. But she realizes not only has my life been changed today, but he has given me a future. He has given me a place that I'm going to be with him forever. She understood that in this place there would be no more suffering and no more pain. That all her tears would be wiped away. How much is that worth to us? Is it worth a few dollars? Is it worth some of our time? Amen. This lady right here says, yes, it is. And it's worth more than just some of the time that's convenient for her. But it's worth what is most likely her life savings. Because I don't know about you, but if I go to the bank, I can't find a year's wages. And I've been trying to save for a long time now. And I haven't got there yet. So undoubtedly, this is probably her life savings. But she is, it's worth it. Jesus is worth it to her. But look what the text says after this. We see that she gives out this wonderful sacrifice unto the Lord. A wonderful act of praise. And when she gives it out and wipes his feet, that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Isn't it amazing how this fragrance was so beautiful and strong that it filled the house? But I'm telling you today, it filled another house too. It filled the house of the Lord in heaven. Because when the father looked down and saw this woman giving out of all she had to worship his son, amen, that the house and the fragrance of the nostrils of the father in heaven was filled with a wonderful smell. That the doorpost in heaven may have shook because he was so happy to see somebody down there who understood the worth of his son. And so God is looking to and fro in this earth right now. 
in this United States of America, in this earth as a whole, for folks who will sell out for the Lord, folks who will give their time, attention, and treasures because Jesus is worth it. Some people say, why would you do all of this and do all of that? And why would you do this instead? Why do you do that much at the church? Why are you preaching? Why are you teaching? Why are you going over here and serving? Because Jesus is worth it. If it had not been for Jesus, then I might have been sleeping in my grave. At least at a jail cell for the things that I was trying to do. But the master met me on the road to my own malady and he met me on the road to my own maliciousness and he caught me in the collar, turned me around and put my feet on solid ground. Why do I do what I do? Because Jesus is worth it. Why do I give what I give? Because Jesus is worth it. And as a matter of fact, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, what I give and do is not enough. I've still fallen short because I can't beat God given no matter how I try. So I keep striving, I keep pushing, I keep trying to do what I do because I appreciate all God has done for me and I see his worth. I don't have a problem with that because I know God is worth it all. Because without him, I don't have a future. I don't even have a past. Without him, I can do nothing. So, Lord, have your way, Master. Lord, as I falter and I fall from left to right during the days of my life, Lord, have your way. Have mercy on me. Master, bring me back to where I need to be. And, Lord, help me to be all you want me to be in you in sacrifice because he's worth it. Amen. But look at the text. After all of this wonderful experience and after a, 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 an epitome of worship, has been enacted through Mary. Look at the response of one of the disciples. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? When we look at this text, God has pointed out one of the disciples. This disciple, Judas Iscariot. Jesus Christ himself says in the Gospels, he says, I know whom I have chosen. And one of you is a devil. He was talking about Judas Iscariot. He called him the son of perdition. And this text shows that not only he was that, but he was a thief. This word here is concerning because I realize that Jesus knows whom is in his midst. And Jesus chose him deliberately to be one of his 12 disciples even though he was a devil. Now that goes past our minds because no way if we're going to build up a team, we don't want somebody on the team that's going to betray us. We want everybody on our team to be one accord and going with us. But Jesus, for purposes that 
transcend even our thinking. Amen. We know that he was the one that would betray him as the scripture said, but yet he brought him in not just to be a betrayer, but he brought him in to his inner circle. And so I contend to you today, amen, that any congregation of believers, amen, there is a good possibility that a Judas is in the house. And so when we are working the works of him who sent us while it is yet day, don't be surprised if there's somebody in the midst who keeps putting stumbling blocks in your way. Don't be surprised when folks are naysayers and folks talk down what you're trying to do for the Lord, how much you're doing, how much you're giving. Don't worry about that because there's Judas's in the house. This time, Judas comes and tries to look pious in the sight of Jesus and the other disciples. Look what he says. He says in the text, he says, why wasn't it sold for 300 denarii? and given to the poor. When you see that and you hear that, at one level, oh man, that looks real righteous. That looks like he's on the path where he needs to be with this because he's concerned about the poor. But all that was was a smokescreen for who he really was. See, there's folks who will talk a good game. There's folks who will talk righteously, but in their hearts, they're full of deception. Amen. So we look at the text and the Bible clears us up and says, this he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. There are folks who will talk righteously and talk about what we need to do righteously, but they're all doing it in a situation to try to set up a way to get something out of it for themselves. Some of those wolves in sheep's clothing. So don't be surprised when when folks get in your way when you're going to do the work of the master. Amen. Don't be surprised when you get to a high level of worship that there are folks that are trying to knock you off of your block. Because there are Judases in the house. Amen. When we look at our text, we we look at the text and we see in verse 7, he said, but Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Mary was perceptive enough by the Holy Spirit to realize that this was her time. This was her time to do something extravagant for the Lord. This was her time to take out of what she has and really pour it out on the Lord because she wouldn't have these times always. And I contend with you today that God brings opportunity into our lives to do something extravagant for the Lord. We're always going to be ministering to the poor because the poor is going to be with us always. But there are going to be times when we're going to be able to do something extravagant for the Lord. There's something we're going to be able to do to build God's house to look much better to give glory to God out of a sacrifice that we give that's visible and tangible out of the materials that we can buy with that which we have worked for to show God our appreciation that time's not going to always be there but when it is you need to celebrate it and not naysay it when somebody
somebody does something beautiful in the church of God and does something that seems more than it should be, you better ask your question, how much is Jesus worth to you? When you think about God's house and you're doing things to make God's house more beautiful, how much is it worth? Five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, five hundred, what is it worth? If you decide to spend five thousand dollars on a set of doors, is Jesus worth that? Well, somebody might say, well, wait a minute, we could have took that money and did this or did that. Not when your opportunity is there. When your opportunity to give lavishly. Because don't get just mad at Judas Iscariot here. But if you look in Luke chapter 7, amen, and in Matthew, you will find that the disciples were indignant. Judas was singled out in this text, but the disciples were messed up in the other text. So even the disciples as a whole were like, what are you doing? What is this woman doing? She's wasting all this on Jesus. But when you hear it like that, you start to say to yourself, whoa, 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 wait a minute. When we read it academically, we say, what's wrong with the disciples? But we run into that ourselves. We're always going to be ministering to the poor. Amen. That is going to be a lifelong thing. But every now and then, God's going to give us an opportunity to do something lavish for him. And I hope we all are like Mary and we see that opportunity. And when that opportunity comes, we don't fuss with one another about it. But we'll get on one accord and we get it done because we're giving glory to God. I don't know when it's going to come. But when it comes, the Spirit will let us know. And we must be able to come on one accord and get it done. Because yes, we're going to be able to do that. And isn't the same God that we would give all that to the same God who's given it to us? We don't have any money or riches on our own. It's all coming from the Lord. The Lord says the silver and the gold is mine. And he says if you give, then I'll give to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. It's about living the blessed life with a generous living. And every now and then we're going to have that opportunity. And I'm hoping and praying that we don't miss it. So Jesus makes it clear that those opportunities are not going to always be there. But when they are there, let us get them. Amen. Amen. Because this Jesus Christ, this same one that she, she put the costly spike nard on, he said that it was given for his burial. He says that after he dies and is raised from the grave, amen, this is going to be talked about. For years and years to come, we're still talking about it today, amen, Amen. of what this one woman did in sacrifice and worship to God. I don't know about you, but we don't know what, when God calls our name to do something extravagant for him, how he's going to use it as a testimony for the reality of serving a true and living God and bless somebody generations past the time that we're here. But we don't want to miss those times because those times are important in the life of believers. So as I close this text and we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, this same Jesus, the same Jesus that Mary poured out the spike on, 
This same Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane praying for you and for me. Uh, this same Jesus was deliberating over what he was getting ready to do. This same Jesus cried out when he looked into the cup and he said to the Lord, is there any other way, Father? But he was so obedient that he said, not my will, but thy will be done. That same Jesus who was marched from judgment hall to judgment hall, he went through six kangaroo courts, from Annas to Caiaphas, from Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin, from the Sanhedrin to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, and back to Pilate again. That same Jesus that the people said, give us Barabbas and crucify him. That same Jesus that could have called a legion of angels and destroyed all of them around him, but he decided to die for you and me. That same Jesus whom they whipped all night long and they marched him down the Via Della Rosa to outside of the walls of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha's Hill, the hill of the skull. That same Jesus is the Jesus that they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He did not come down to save himself, but he decided to save you and me. To save us from an eternal damnation of in the lake of fire and brimstone. An eternal out of darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How much is this Jesus worth to you? But the story goes on that they took him down off that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday night. He was in that tomb all day Saturday, all night Saturday night. But it was early Sunday morning that he rose with all power in his hand. He rose with the power to save a sin-sick soul. He rose with power to set in motion a new life for those who were desperately in need of a change who had been caught up in sin and and illicitness and evil, but God had the ability to reach way down on the inside and change a, a desperately wicked person into someone that can follow him. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. It's that Jesus. It's that Jesus who stayed for a 40-day layover. And then he stepped out on a cloud and went back to glory. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and for me. Is that Jesus? How much is he worth to you? That is the question that we're challenged with today. How much is he worth to you? Because one of these days, he's coming back. And he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. He's coming back, and the Bible says when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise, and they that remain shall be caught up in the air. How much is he worth to you? When we caught up in the great coronation, and we have been changed in the twinkling of an eye, 
No more are we sin sick in our bodies, warring with the flesh, but we have new bodies that will be forevermore. How much is Jesus worth to you? That is the question. After all that Jesus has done and is doing and will do, how much is he worth to you? Amen. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. The story lets you know that there was something that we could not do for ourselves that Jesus had to do for us. He had to die in our place because we could not pay the penalty for sin. And Jesus cries out to us today to come as you are and to give your life to him. To come just as you are and say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, take me and make me and mold me and shape me into whom you would have me to be. Lord, live in me and do for me what I cannot do for myself. God is crying out to come to Jesus just now. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus just now.
continue to strengthen us and to teach us, to correct us and to direct us. Lord, help us to see how much you are really worth. Lord, I have a long ways to go in my generous living. But Lord, with your help, Master, I can get better every day. And Lord, just don't let me become better by myself. But Lord, bring along new Zion as well, God. Lord, as a family, Lord, that we can learn to be more giving in thee. Because we realize that you are one who appreciates a cheerful giver. Lord, let us learn how to be lavish in our giving when the opportunity presents itself. Because one of the things we know for sure that whatever we give, Lord, we can't outgive thee. Lord, whatever we need, you can supply. So in the name of Jesus, give us this confidence in knowing that we can give and can never give out when we're serving thee. And Lord, as we get ready to go from this place, Lord, bless our visitors. Lord, Lord, bless our membership, Master. As we go down the dangerous highways and byways, Lord, continue to protect us from all hurt, harm, and danger. And Lord, we want to be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, if you give us another week, Lord, you give us some more days, Master. We want to continue to praise your name and to come together again on Resurrection Sunday, Lord, to lift up your name, for you are truly worthy to be praised. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus, in the immaculate name of Jesus, in the sacrificial name of Jesus, we ask all these things, and the whole church saying, Amen.